again, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 36 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. And coming to you from the uh, Grand America Hotel the morning after the Grizzlies played the Utah Jazz. We'll get to that game, uh, which the Grizzlies lost in overtime, and get you ready for the uh, Denver Nugget game coming up on Thursday, and that was the week that was. We've also got a few Petey's points, and then part two of our conversation, our friend of the program, Jared Greenberg of NBA TV and the NBA on TNT. But first, we tell you that the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. They've helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they like to say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. All right, very quickly, that was the week that was only one game played since our last visit. Uh, Grizzlies starting their final road trip of the regular season. They started in Utah on Tuesday night. Uh, it was a real rock fight in the first quarter of this ballgame. Grizzlies leading the league in first quarter, scoring at about 30 points in the first quarter. They were held to just 19 points on 35% shooting. Grizzlies shot a dismal 4 of 11 in the painted area in the first quarter. But the Grizzlies' defense was on point. They held the Jazz to 24 points. So 24-19 after one quarter. Um, Grizzlies got five points from Zaire Williams, five from Tyus Jones. Meanwhile, Utah, in a harbinger of how this game would turn out, got nine first-quarter points from their bench. Second quarter, Grizzlies get things rolling, and they get nine in the quarter from Tyus Jones. They get eight in the second quarter from Jaron Jackson Jr., and the Grizzlies rally from 11 down, and they tie the ball game at 50 through the first half. Uh, first half, very even. Third quarter, also very even. Grizzlies would build an 11-point lead early in the third quarter, but the Jazz were able to close and send the ball game to the fourth quarter all square at 83. It was a good quarter for Jordan Clarkson. Six of his 18 coming in the third quarter. Big third quarter for Desmond Bain. 12 of his 21 three three quarters coming in the third period of play. Des through three quarters, three of five from beyond the arc. Grizzlies would fall behind in the fourth quarter. They would rally. They would have an opportunity. Desmond Bain missing a three, which would have given the Grizzlies the lead and perhaps the win. It came up as an air ball and... Um, Kyle Anderson, man on the spot with the offensive rebound and the putback at the horn to send this ball game into overtime, tied at 110 apiece. Uh, Grizzlies just running out of gas. They were without John Morant. They were without Dylan Brooks in this game. And Utah, they were able to uh, get five points in the overtime period from Rudy Gobert. He was able to get to the free throw line. Gobert finishes with a 20-20 game, 22 points and 21 rebounds and the Grizzlies outscored in the overtime period 11 to 5 and the Grizzlies drop at 121 to 115 to the Utah Jazz. Grizzlies just barely keep their league best streak alive of now 62 consecutive games with at least 40 paint points. Grizzlies were minus 16 in the paint. They were minus four in second chance points. They were minus five in fast break points. Uh, those are categories the Grizzlies normally win. 
Grizzlies got a lot of opportunities in the painted area, but they converted just 20 of 49, well below their normal percentage there. And the Grizzlies, to be honest, shoot under 39%, and they took Utah to overtime, and that is quite an accomplishment. Grizzlies defensively were fine. They held Utah to 42% shooting, uh, but they did put the Jazz on the free throw line 43 times in this game. Uh, so the Grizzlies, without Dylan Brooks, without John Morant, they fall in overtime to the Utah Jazz, 121-115. to Grizzlies fail in their bid to tie their franchise record in for wins in a season. They remain with 55 wins, picked up their 24th loss of the season. Also in this game, Jaron Jackson Jr. passing Pau Gasol for the franchise single-season record in blocks. He had three in the ballgame. And the Grizzlies, as I said, they go on to lose at 121 to 115. They move on to Denver now. And uh, Denver losing to San Antonio on Tuesday night. And uh, it was it was a ball game that the Nuggets really wanted, the Spurs really wanted, because their magic number to clinch a play-in spot was two. Uh, any combination of Spurs victories and Laker losses would get them into the play-in and eliminate the Lakers. Lakers lose to Phoenix. Spurs beat the Nuggets on Tuesday night, 116-97, to despite the fact they did not have DeJounte Murray, but they got big contributions from Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. They combined for 40 points. Meanwhile, outside of Nikola Jokic's 41 points, Aaron Gordon, the only other Nugget in double figures. So Denver trying to stay in the top six in the Western Conference. They are going to be highly motivated for Thursday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Again, the Grizzlies, they are locked into the two seed. There's nowhere for them to go, but they want to certainly retain an element of sharpness as they head into the postseason. That does it for That Was the Week That Was. And so very quickly now, let's transition to some Petey's points. One of the things, and Brevin and I talked about this. We had breakfast this morning here in Salt Lake City. One of the things that we talked about was the fact that even though the Grizzlies were down 11 at one point, they were down seven late in regulation. There's a confidence now with this team that no matter what the deficit may be, there's always a feeling that some way, somehow, they're going to pull it out. Uh, they didn't pull out the win. They had a shot at a win. If Bain hits the three, Grizzlies probably walk out with a win. But that's a really it, it's a good feeling to have when you look at your basketball team and you figure out, despite the fact that they're shooting 39% from the floor on the road against a Utah team that's one of the best home teams in the NBA, that you have a chance to pull it out. That's the magic of this Grizzlies team, even without John Morant, even without Dylan Brooks on the floor. You have an element of confidence that they are going to be able to, to potentially pull a game out, and, and they almost did. And that's, that's, a, that's a good place to be, uh, particularly when you go into the playoffs. You have to have that element of belief, and I think it's not just the belief of the broadcasters or the fan base. It's also a belief of this team that they don't care what the deficit is. They don't care what the clock situation is. Uh, they don't care about the opponent. They don't care about the factor on the road the Grizzlies always have themselves in a game and an opportunity to win a game regardless of what the situation is Petey's point number two uh, this is going to be a tricky balance for Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies you are trying to balance look we want to get guys to play we want them to stay sharp we don't want to expose guys unduly to injury we also don't want to run them down you also have to remember that the Grizzlies are going to basically have a week off they will finish the regular season Sunday against the Boston Celtics and will not play their first playoff game 
until the following Saturday or Sunday. Potentially, you're looking at a, a week between games, which obviously in the NBA is highly unusual. So, uh, you know, Taylor Jenkins is going to try to balance all these different factors. Will Dylan Brooks play in Denver? At this point, we don't know. Uh, John Morant's supposed to be reevaluated the middle of this week. Is it possible that he plays in Denver? Ideally, you'd like to get Ja to have a game or two of regular season action under his belt. If I'm Taylor Jenkins, if at all possible, I would like to get Ja back on the floor before game one of the playoffs so that his first action back after if they're missing all this time isn't game one of a playoff series. But that's going to be up to the performance staff and the athletic training staff. We'll have to figure all that out. Uh, we'd like to see Dylan Brooks. We'd like to see everybody get into a nice rhythm, regardless of the game result. Get them in a good rhythm because then they are going to have a week to rest and recover, but then they're also away from competitive basketball. So you're trying to balance all these factors. It's very, very tricky. Final PD's point before we get to our friend of the program today, which is Jared Greenberg of NBA TV uh, and the NBA on TNT. Got the sense that Taylor Jenkins, after dealing with with a Phoenix game and winning the division title and locking in the two seed, his demeanor on the court last night was much more subdued than we normally see. And you know, Brevin and I have talked about it, and I think that this is an opportunity for Taylor Jenkins basically to to step back uh, and and just focus totally on what the Grizzlies need to do, and 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 not worry so much about the opponent. I mean, obviously, you want a game plan for your opponents, but Right now, it's about sharpening this basketball team and getting them ready for a postseason run. Presumably, they're going to play either Minnesota or the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. They're the seven and eight seeds right now. That's the way that it looks at the moment. Uh, and the Grizzlies get the winner of the seven eight game. So probably, in all probability, it'll be one of those two teams unless uh, there's some other movement uh in the standings, but I, I don't really foresee that at the moment. So those are the PD's points for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. And before we move on to get to our friend of the program, I want to tell you that uh, got a new offer from DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the sponsors of the Grizz Weekly Grind here on the Basketball Podcast Network. And uh, we can tell you the two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose guaranteed. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, it's all good. You can still get in on the excitement because everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contests. Here's how you do it. You draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. Of course, DraftKings, you know it. It's safe, it's secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down 5 bucks on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. You must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. And we tell you that if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in the following states, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado or New Hampshire, that number is one 800 522-4700. In Connecticut, call 
789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or you can also text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. And in Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. You must be 21 or older, 18 or older in New Hampshire and Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona. Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And with that, let's get to our friend of the program. You have doubtless seen him on NBA TV as a sideline reporter on the uh, NBA on TNT, also an anchor for NBA TV. He is one of the most well-connected of the NBA insiders, does a great job of disseminating knowledge when he is on the air, and uh, also a good friend. Been privileged to work with Jared Greenberg uh, at NBA Summer League and also on NBA TV on some playoff telecasts throughout the years. He's a friend, he's a colleague, and uh, he's got some insight into uh, the awards process and uh, who he likes for some of the NBA's postseason awards. Here's Jared Greenberg, today's friend of the program. Let's talk now about Coach of the Year. This is it, It's a pretty crowded field. Uh, obviously, Taylor Jenkins, people talking about Monty Williams, who's done a remarkable job, although for me it's a bit of an asterisk because he's had the same team that he had last year, by and large. Mm-hmm. Better record, of course. What Nick Nurse has done with Toronto and all that that franchise has gone through last year, not being able to play in Canada and, and this year with COVID and, and, and getting back and forth from Canada is, is, is never a picnic. Um, and I'm probably missing some people here, but, uh, but your thoughts about coach of the year this year. Yeah. So um, for the longest time I was on Eric Spolster with Miami and the more I've thought about it, the reasons why I like Eric Spolstra the calculus I've done now takes me to Taylor Jenkins because what I loved about Spolstra and having covered the heat a little bit earlier this season and and really studying how they've almost never, I think up until a couple of days ago had a, a single game, not a group of games, but a single game with their entire roster available. And he has consistently been one, two or three in the East. And now you look at what Memphis has done over the last couple of weeks. Right, right. (laughs) When they literally get better with the more pieces they've missed. Um, And it's crazy, too, because, like, all of these things are are almost hurting John Morant in the MVP and All-NBA conversation, which which is a different conversation. But, But because of that, it's bolstering the stock for Taylor Jenkins. Um, yeah. And, and, and the coach of the year is so unique, Pete, uh, I'd be curious your take on it too. Like, do you just reward the guy who consistently led the best team in basketball, who dealt with their own adversity? Um, you know, they picked a guy up off the street in Bismack Biombo 
and made him an incredibly viable starting center and backup center for a period of two to three weeks earlier this year. Um, you know, Chris Paul's been out with injury. Um, or do you go with the guy who's done the most with the least? And I don't mean the least as, as a negative, but you see what we're talking about. Um, I don't think it's anybody in the East anymore. I don't think it's Spolstra. I don't think it's Bud. Ime Udoka. It's not a half-season award. It's a full-season award. Right, right. So I can't give it to Ime Udoka after people were wondering if he'd lose his job back in December, right? Um, certainly not Doc Rivers. Not uh, um, Nick Nurse, maybe maybe he should be on the ballot. Um, but I think it's going to come down. I think it's going to come down to to Monty and, and Taylor Jenkins it, for it different really, reasons. Yeah, I mean, it has almost come down to an award. The coach that has coached the team that has exceeded expectations by the largest amount. And you and with that, you could almost put Chris Finch in there because Minnesota at the start of the season did anybody have them, you know, really being as good as they are and. I track the top 10 in efficiencies, offensive and defensive, because the Grizzlies are top 10 in both. Right. And Minnesota has had periods of time where they've been top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. I think people who know the G League and know Chris Finch's history are not surprised. But I think the, the average NBA fan is, who's Chris Finch and how is he doing this in Minnesota? So right. I, I think he would, he would probably get a little love as well. Yeah, I- to, to me, like when we start doing things, and I'm with you, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. But, you know, it, as soon as we start doing that, like looking for stories in the middle of the standings, <laughs> yeah. I think we're, we're like overanalyzing and say, and, and forgetting about we're supposed to reward greatness, right? right. And, and to me, if, if Minnesota is your, you know, if you're going to have them in that part of the conversation for those reasons, then you got to steer right back to Memphis, right? Because I think a lot of people thought Memphis was going to be good this year. I don't think anybody in their wildest imagination had them being the second best team in the NBA. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins, I think before the season, I think his mindset was, can we get sixth or better and, and avoid the play? And so we, you know, get a little extra rest and, and don't have to deal with that. All right. Here's a question. East versus West biggest dumpster fire, Brooklyn or the Lakers. And maybe and maybe dumpster fire really is too harsh for Brooklyn. They, they are they are well, okay. Bigger enigma, no. bigger enigma. Laker, Lakers or Nets? Or, Dump, dumpster fire. Ahead. I think no. That, okay. That's the accurate. Don't don't second guess yourself. Your gut told you that one. Go go with the initial reaction. Dumpster fire. I think I think a bigger one has to be right now the Lakers simply because they may not even make the play in as we speak right now. Um, they're not going to make the play in. Um, and the Nets have the opportunity to make the play in as a, you know, both teams have the opportunity, but as of today, the Nets are in, right? So, um, just based on if, if the Lakers and, you know, you, you worked a couple of weeks ago at TNT game with Stan Van Gundy. I, I did as well, uh, the other day and he said this on the air. So I will be okay to repeat this. He, he questioned whether at this point the Lakers, whether they even have any interest of making the play in. Like what's, uh, and I often wonder this because LeBron is so calculated, so smart, um, but he he does amazing things with creating narratives, creating drama, and dictating where that goes and, and trying to drive that story. I I have to imagine LeBron has sat back either in his inner thoughts or outwardly with his teammates or people around him and thought, what would be worse for my legacy? Making the play in but not making the playoffs or just missing the play and missing the play in totally 
and using the excuse that we were injured. We didn't have the right pieces. The front office didn't do right by us. We were really old. We were really old, <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I wonder if making, if missing, and, and Stan Van Gundy put this out there on the air, and I, and I have to go with him on this. I, I, I almost think that the Lakers would rather not even make the play-in than losing in the play-in. Um, because could you imagine if they got to go up against the Pelicans or the Timberwolves, you know, or the Clippers, teams that would just treat this like it was game seven of the biggest NBA finals ever. Um, so I, I, it's the Lakers to me from that standpoint. The, the Nets still have some runway. And the fact that Vegas still has the Nets as the favorite to come out of the East is Vegas is very rarely wrong. <laughs> they, they, they must know something. Now I, you know, what, what Stan said publicly and what you just you know, related to us, it's something that I know Brevin and I have talked about privately. This team is not playing like they want to win. No. They're just trying to get, let's just get the season over with and, and, and get on with it. I'm going to wrap up with this, Jared, because you travel around the NBA. You get to talk to everybody, get to do national games, NBA TV, TNT, NBA TV, all that. When you get an assignment, I know that some assignments go like, wow, I can't wait to talk to whomever, or I can't wait to see this team. When you get that email saying, Jared, you're going to be the sideline reporter for this game. What game or what team is the one that really excites you that I want to talk to that coach or I want to talk to that player, or I just enjoy that city or just wherever you want to go with that. I think it's a great question. Um, And, and, I'm I'm pretty long winded to begin with, so excuse me for going go, on on this go one. Because right I love, ahead. go right ahead, no time. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, and and just you know, I'm talking to you, so you're the voice of the Grizzlies. I'll tell you that this earlier this year, uh, for the first time ever, I got the opportunity to do a Grizzlies game featuring John Morant. I've I've um, obviously seen, I saw John up close and personal uh, in the bubble for a little bit, and and obviously I watch a lot of Grizzlies games on TV, but for the first time got to be part of a broadcast with him. And I was, I was really excited about that uh, seeing him and, and being able to talk to him. Cause I feel like, you know, Jaws, he's another guy that's really smart and gets how to work with the media, but is also really genuine. And I love, I love hearing him speak. Uh, so I was excited to get to, to talk with him. The other part of covering the Grizzlies too. And we talked about this extensively on the broadcast I did of the Grizzlies is Grizzlies when they won in uh when they wanted home against the Pelicans a couple of weeks ago, but I have some serious beard envy for Taylor Jenkins. That guy <laughs> has got some impressive facial hair. And I told him, so I was almost drooling in front of him. You know, he's been compared to Yukon Cornelius, the Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. Have you seen wow. that meme? That, that's impressive. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to, uh, the next time I do a game in Memphis, Taylor coach Jenkins better be getting me his barber because I need to go visit that guy. Um, but no, and, and getting to speak to coach Jenkins, he's like, he's such a, he's such a real dude to love talking with him. Um, other teams, you know, for me, I think, uh, I love covering the warriors, uh, for all the reasons that people in the media love covering the warriors. They treat you like absolute gold. Um, they roll out the red carpet anytime you're in town. Shout Um, out Raymond Ritter. That's right. The, the head of media relations, the, the vice president in san francisco uh he is he is as good as it gets with anybody i've ever worked with in any field of sports um and then you know 
the, the, the access you get with the Warriors, I, I think that people, um, you know, often ask, like, do you get nervous talking to people? Do you ever get starstruck? And like, I've covered the Warriors as much as I covered any team, primarily because they've been to so many NBA finals and I've had the, the honor and privilege of, of covering all of those. Uh, but like the access you get to Steph Curry, who at times has been arguably the greatest player in the world is, you know, I think probably going to go down as a top 10, top 15 player of all time. Um, the fact that, that he will look anybody in the eye, say their name and give them as much time as they need is remarkable. And, and Clay is great. And Draymond's great. And, you know, you may not like Draymond on the court, but off the court, he's as cool as it gets. Um, and, and I just I love covering them because they have every right to be um, miserable in terms of they have every right to 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 give you the, the Heisman. Yeah. Or be entitled. Act entitled. Right. Or be entitled. But the funny thing that Raymond Ritter always says, um, I did I did a Warriors game a couple of weeks back and they were having a run of like. I think it was five or six consecutive national TV games, which, you know, if anybody's listening who really loves the media conversation of things, you'll get this. If, if you're just a basketball fan, I apologize if, if this is not interesting to you. But like from a media relations standpoint, that's a nightmare for what those guys have to go guys and ladies have to go through in terms of managing, you know, getting ready for those games and all the people, you know, and all the things you have to do. Um, but I said to Raymond, I go, is this make your head spin? Is it nuts? He goes, Jared, I remember back in 2001 when I wrote the schedule release for the Golden State Warriors, and we were so excited. We put in our first paragraph of our schedule rele- uh, release. We have one national TV game over 82, and that was exciting for us back in 2001. So if we've got to do five in a row right now, well, we've earned it, and and we'll we'll enjoy it. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that, again, people who don't cover the NBA, fans who are listening to this, Raymond Ritter, is he's absolutely the gold standard in media relations. I mean, to the extent where you get a phone call the day of the game yep. to let you know, okay, here's what's going on, here's the latest injury information, and it's, it's something that, that nobody else does. Nobody. Along with the fact that when you go to San Francisco to do a Warriors game, you will get in your media packet, some peanut M and M's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and 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 a couple of years ago it was Ghirardelli chocolates, and I laughed about him with it. And he said, "Look, I'm the only PR director in the NBA that has a line item for candy in my budget," <laughs> and and I think that's that's still the case in yeah. uh, you know in an, in an environment where a lot of teams have gone away from you know the the little tchotchkes they would they would stick in the media packets. I'll I'll tell you something pretty funny here. Uh, a couple of years ago. I arrive in Vegas to do summer league games and, you know, having done summer league, it's, it's probably the biggest challenge that a broadcaster deals with because you've got multiple games a day over consecutive days and you have no idea who's playing. You have never heard of 80% of the guys on the rosters. I, I show up in my hotel room and I literally open up my laptop to start working to prepare for my games. And I get a call from Raymond and he goes, I just want to make sure you're ready for our game. I didn't even realize I had a Warriors game and it was like in three days from now because it was like the eighth game that I had, you know, like three days, but he wanted to make sure I was ready for a summer league game. That's how remarkable of a human being. This is the Raymond Ritter podcast. I love it. He should pay Uh, us for this. He probably, yeah, he should. Well, he may pay us in candy. Jared, it's been great talking with you. Look forward to seeing you in the playoffs. Hopefully you get assigned to some Memphis games. I hope so too. uh, And uh, we'll get to hang out a little bit. I appreciate it. 
Pete, you are the absolute best. I tell you this every time I talk to you, you and Brevin and Rob are my absolute favorite league pass watch. Uh, it's an honor to be speaking with you on your podcast and, and hopefully, hopefully I get some Memphis Grizzlies games, get entertained back at the grindhouse, get that place fired up. And we thank Jared Greenberg for being with us. That is a wrap of Episode 36 of Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook and the Hoop City Basketball Club. Grizzlies uh, on Wednesday afternoon will fly to Denver. They will take on the Denver Nuggets on Thursday night. Then the Grizzlies will return home, and they will wrap up the uh, regular season schedule Saturday night against New Orleans and then Sunday night against the Boston Celtics. We thank you so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. In our next episode, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll know who the Grizzlies will be playing in the first round of the playoffs, and we'll have a playoff preview for you once the Grizzlies' opponent is known. Again, thanks so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.